podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan and today I'm joined by Dave Watson. Hello. Fergus Craig is not here. He's, Coward. He's swanned off to glamorous Cape Town. So uh, it's just me and you, Dave. Yeah, I know. You, you did say glamorous Cape Town like it wasn't glamorous. Cape Town is... Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, yeah, fine. It's, just, okay. it's hard to muster enthusiasm for much these days. <sighs> But uh, I think what we need to talk about first, The Revenant, starring Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. It, the Oscars, it was snubbed for Best Picture in yeah, favour well, of Spotlight, which seemed a strange choice. Well, I think, I think uh, Spotlight was definitely built for the, uh, the Best Picture, whereas if you look, if you look at The I Revenant, Revenant's all set up to be Leonardo DiCaprio It was winning. his Oscar. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that's fine. The, the guys had some sterling work over the years. And I think it's him getting recognised for this isn't him getting recognised for this. It's him getting recognised for his career. Yeah. And you've got to give it to him. This it, is more fun, isn't it? Yeah. Talking about don't want to talk about football. Let's talk about films. Should we just talk about films for a while? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, fuck it. Right. Uh-huh. Let's start with... So I wasn't here last week. Okay. I was listening in, in the woods. Not that that matters, but I was in the woods listening to the podcast. <laughs> I've got a dog. <laughs> I have to walk it. Yeah, but... Okay, you just sound like... I'm a adding a bit of colour to my life that makes me sound like a serial killer. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you could have just said when I was out walking the dog. You didn't have to make it sound like you're the next... I like you to know. paint a picture. Yeah, Ooh, but you it. sound like the antagonist from Silent Witness or I was something. masturbating while I was listening as well. I should make that clear. I mean, to be fair, that's how I listen to every podcast. Yeah. Cock in hand. <laughs> Seeing what sort of review you give yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. But the, uh, the predictions from last week's pod... So you yeah. went for four points from the Stoke and Bournemouth game. Yeah. Fergus thought he was going to be a bit more negative, went for three points. You thought I'd err on the side of caution and go for three points from those two games. Yeah. The question that immediately rises from that is, as a podcast wholly, and not just you, mm. how fucking delusional are we? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I think that most pundits like professional pundits, people who do it for a living instead of just people who are doing it for something to do on a Monday night so that we can meet up with them pub and have a pint. They were all expecting us to, maybe maybe I was more positive, maybe expecting a, a point away at Stoke, but they were all mm. expecting us to pick up at least three points over these, these couple of games because they were saying like at home to Bournemouth, Newcastle for home form is really good, Bournemouth aren't a great side and if, if being the key word, if the Newcastle players pull out a performance they can beat anybody and which this is we've the weird proven. thing though because we were told in the run-up that our home form's great and Bournemouth aren't amazing but Bournemouth's away form is better than their home form yeah and we've won four games at home all season I think I think when people say our home form's good it, it's it's from the contrast. last sort of no, no, I, mean, no, no. I did in, say in contrast to our away form yeah which it is I think I did say a couple of weeks ago in the pod that we're fifth in the home form table yeah so that is from the last five home games, I guess. I know. It's just, uh, the reason I was, I think the reason I was so positive is because I was, I was expecting us to... You were on crystal meth. I was, I was doing clear. a lot of class A drugs. No, the, it was just that, I mean, we've definitely got the fucking players. We definitely mm. have the players. We've, we, we've got internationals at pretty much every position. We... It's got a lot of international midfielders. We do, and I mean, some would say far, far too many. It, it's it's that 
it's partly the 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 decisions that are being made by the the coach in terms of selection. It's partly the decisions, like the tactical decisions he makes, like the the selection at Stoke. Well, I was gonna say, let's get into yeah. the Stoke game. So Gufran, what the f- pick- like? I can't finally brought back into the fold. I genuinely can't remember the last time that that guy had uh, a five or better out of ten game. No. Like I can't like. So how the hell is he getting picked? The weird thing for me is Gufran was picked to play on the left. I think that's right. Isn't yeah, it? and the reasoning seemed to be given for that, although we didn't hear it from McLaren. But it seems to be because he's more defensively minded than Aaron's. And this is Aaron's who's been picked at left back for the two games before. How is he more defensively minded than a player that we're happy to... St- why hasn't Gufran been at left back? If he's- it's, it's, lud- it's lunacy. And why when um, Perez has, had just been given a brand new contract... Yeah, a rare that, bit of optimism he doesn't, he doesn't, this he didn't, season. He didn't start. He hadn't had a start. Hadn't had a start. Um... And after he got his new contract so we've said oh this is a player that we really rate so much so that we want to keep him around why wasn't he started on the left what like yeah. what has Gufran done in his career at Newcastle United to get picked ahead of Ayose Perez well like most of our players all Gufran's done is looked quite decent in his first sort of five to ten games yeah and then dropped off a cliff which mm. seems to be a very worryingly common theme it's a very Newcastle thing to happen yeah. yeah I can't all the talk of McLaren coming in we'll talk more about him specifically later yeah was that he's a great coach mm. he'll be able to improve players I said it myself I'm sure we all said it he'll be able to improve players in a way that Carver and Pardew couldn't because yeah. he'll get the best out of them has anyone improved under McLaren, no, and you've seen you've seen not only the the traditional decline in in players like Sissoko's been yet again mm. inconsistent is is polite. I mean, Jesus, been but, consistently shite. But look look at Shelby. The first game he looked like a world beater. The next game he looked okay. The th- the third game he's poor, and now. He's put like he's misplacing five yard passes. He's misplacing throw ins. He's to be fair to him and to Jan Matt as well. They've both at times over the last few games they've been looking at the the bench to to Co- uh, to McLaren and to Cathro and to the others and saying, well, "What the fuck are we supposed to be doing here? Like, wh- yeah. wh- like they've changed formation or we've conceded or we're we're getting a lot of pressure down this side. There's there's no there's, there doesn't seem to be any like dynamic like reaction to. Yeah. Issues. I would say it seems like the team has been set up with one plan. There's no sort of contingency for yeah. if they score first, what do we do? And they, they, and they traditionally will score, first. score first. So the Stoke game, this is the annoying thing. We were fairly defensively yeah. set up, which away from home, that's no fine, no problem yeah. with that necessarily. But when you're a team that can't keep clean sheets... Playing for a nil-nil seems uh, difficult with a weakened defence as well. I, th- I, th- I think that there has to be a degree of d- game management. So when you're a team that yeah. can't keep clean sheets, there's no shame in setting up to keep a clean sheet, like to try and keep it. Because there are some days where the opposition strikers are, are misfiring. There are some days, certainly against the Stoke side with the um, inconsistency that they've got up front, there's no shame in like setting yourself up to be difficult to break down. But... If the plan's going, like, at 65, 70 minutes, if the plan's going well, which it was, we were nil-nil, change it up. 
Change it up because all game they've been doing the same thing, trying to batten down the like to, to batter us down. So they'll have made changes to their shape. They'll have been changes in the 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 role that they've been given on the day. They'll have they'll have tried to do that to try and get through us. At that point, you make changes to the side to stretch the game, or you make changes yeah. to the side so you bring on somebody with electric pace, and you make even even if you condense further and you and you you, you play a much more compact game, but then you've got outlets on either wing. So you're playing with uh, a back four, you're playing with two holding central midfielders, you're playing with uh, a guy just ahead of them, but then you've got two wide players who are getting chalk on their boots, and as soon as you... Which ours never do. They don't, no. But as soon as you pick up the ball, aim for the corner flag, and you just, even if you're making the their full-back chase the ball back, or their keeper come out of position, or their centre-half, you, you are then... Upsetting their game plan. This is our problem, though. I th- like the first sort of twenty, thirty minutes against Stoke. It was a terrible game, anyway. Mm. But Stoke looked kind of there for the taking, as much as Stoke away can. Yeah, and there was. You would think there would be some argument for playing slightly more positively with that. We didn't change anything as the game went on. It just seemed yeah. to be, let's try and get to ninety minutes for nil nil. Yeah. Then we conceded. And it was just panic. Well, yeah, because it, it was the final ten minutes again. And if you concede, if you're if you're playing for the nil nil, and you concede in the final ten minutes, like it's not enough time to 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 change the game. But I would say at the end, Dumbia came on, looked fairly decent, had a good shot, and yet. So we'll probably move yeah, on. We'll to come the, on. We'll to move the, on to the the one McLaren's comments after the Stoke game. I mean, they feel kind of insignificant now, but at the time. Remember him saying Jack Buckland Jack Butland's cause cost us three points again. We, think, we had what one shot. World, are you living in? Yeah, yeah. It's like he didn't cost the the home game against Stoke. Yeah. Jack Butland did absolutely did. Yeah, save them. But this was just one one shot. Good save. Yeah, that was it. And it was it wasn't even like a. a how the fuck? I said it a couple of podcasts ago, or maybe last podcast, where it, like. Um, Tim Kroll can pull out the how the fuck did he do that save. Like Jack Butland's save, it was a good save. It was, it was yeah. a top Premier League save. It was but a reaction. It, it wasn't like, I have no, like, it wasn't so good that you go, well, actually, well I think done, in yeah. your language, it wasn't rip your cock off good. No, that, it wasn't rip your cock off good at all. Ugh. But as well, so, after the Stoke game. Yes. Mitrovic didn't have the best game. The, no. I think there's an argument for maybe resting him. Oh, you so... Dumbia came on, played yeah. fairly well. Okay. You think, okay, there's only one obvious decision to make here. Going into the next game, Emmanuel Riviere gets picked. <sighs> well, I just have to, in defence of Mitrovic, he was so isolated in yeah. that Stoke, Stoke game. So, and when he, when he is as isolated as he, as he has been in a couple of games, he does get a bit... Um, because he's a kid. I mean, he's... He's a child. Um, he does get a bit petulant, does get a bit But hockey. he's, I think he's the only striker we seem to have that you can hoof long balls up to, which seems to be the plan yeah, we've reverted to. Now. We shouldn't. Stupid, but that's, yeah. that's, that's another argument. But he's shown that. in other games he can hold it up. But yeah. I agree, he is, I mean, people go on about Perez and saying, well, he's just a kid, so you have to give him time. He's a year older than Mitrovic. That's kind of 
but Mitrovic seems to be just because he's a sort of target man. People go, well, he's big and he's strong, so he should be consistently good. Yeah, and that's that's nonsense because you remember when uh, Romelu Lukaku was uh, was so good for West Brom because they were they were employing him alongside oh, I can't remember who it was, but they were basically he had a he had a strike partner and, and the the onus wasn't on him. When he moved to Everton, it was very much you are our target man. Yeah. The guy was still only twenty twenty one years old at that stage, so Mitrovic for me. He needs somebody playing off him. He needs somebody close by to him. I mean, you look at... Somebody the, like Iosi Perez, maybe. That would be perfect, yeah. And we could be playing, I don't know, Remy Cabela on the left or something like that. But anyway... Yeah, he's not our player anymore. No, he's not. No, thank God. Yeah, so the, the Bournemouth selection was particularly depressing, I think. I don't know why yeah. Rivier's there. He was yep. hooked at half-time at, Deservedly but, so. But then it's one of those gambles that uh, a manager who's desperate will make that everybody, like, without a doubt, everybody in that ground, including the Stoke fans, would have been going, why the f... Yeah. Why has he picked him? Because Manu Riviere hasn't been exactly ripping up the scoring charts for the reserves or he hasn't been he hasn't been playing very much so he hasn't got the fitness. He's not an impact sub. So... Because sometimes you think, well, I'm going to I'm going to start the guy that comes on and scores to try and grab an early goal, and that'll yeah. give us confidence and all the rest of it. Like Riviere hasn't done that, and I don't like I don't mind Riviere. I don't think he's a very good player. I think he's very much in the shoulder mode. I think he where, might find his level next season, <laughs> maybe. But then when Alexander Mitrovic is big, powerful, and at home, we get performances. We have been getting performances out of Sissoko, Vinaldum, uh, Shelby, yeah, we and all the rest. The last we didn't get it like the last game. Um, if you if you're confident that the rest of your team are going to hold the ball further up the pitch, so Mitrovic is going to get the support. Like he, his performance against Stoke wasn't necessarily his fault. It's because of the tactics that were employed by the no. by the Mong moron Mong. The Mung. <laughs> the Mung. Uh. Yeah, I agree. But I think, as well, he he looks lethargic a lot. He looks... In he different games, up. yeah, he looks like he can't be bothered to I don't, No, I don't, th- I don't think he... Uh, Perez, Mitrovic, You look at Shelby, Mitrovic when Yanma. he arrived, rightly or wrongly, even when he wasn't in the game, you would think, oh, he's going to get himself sent off soon. <laughs> He'd be doing stuff. Whereas now, he's just sort of... He's watching headers. He's watching balls go over him. He's not really but, challenging like, for like, headers. I agree. He's a victim of the way we're playing. Yeah. We're playing such an ambitious football. But when you play that kind of unambitious long ball football, you look at Watford, they do it every game. Troy Deeney goes for every ball. Yeah, but then again, you've got... When you look at... So you look at Leicester, you look at Watford, you look at West Ham, um, you look at... Tottenham they've they've identified what each what what combination of games of um, roles gets a reaction from each player what what's, yeah. what 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 permutation is the best and the best permutation for um for a uh, for Newcastle United is definitely not lumping up long balls to Mitrovic when yeah. he's that isolated well, we've known this for the last two seasons not specifically to Mitrovic but we've had two years of just hoofing long balls up to someone who has shown consistently that doesn't suit the way they play. And this comes down to McLaren again. I I still don't think he knows his strongest 
starting lineup. Which is mental. I don't think he knows his strongest formation. I don't think he's found any way to get the best out of his players. Yeah. I think we all know the answer to this, but should is it time for McLaren to go? Absolutely. Uh, well, it's beyond time. Which is weird, because before the last pod, there were... Before the last two games, generally, not just from Newcastle fans, but in the media, there's still been a selection of people saying, well... He's only just brought players in. He needs a bit of time to prove himself. And the club mm. have made a lot of mistakes and it's not his fault. It feels like over the last two weeks, the tipping points kind of come and people are saying, no, he's... I think because the atmosphere turned so badly as well. Yeah. Well, it, I think a lot of it is... If you go away with the with the intention of drawing the team together and um, and and fostering some kind of team spirit and then yeah, Lamanga works isn't it well this is it like if, if if that's the idea if you if you've got an 18 day break and you take your players away to to pull them together and all the rest of it and you've got an away game against a mid-table side who's they're doing okay but they're not you know it's it's not like um it's not like Watford who are having a good season by being mid-table yeah it's, I it's think if side- Bournemouth had played that Stoke team they would have won comfortably yeah I think it's, it was so there you, for the I didn't see and this is goes back to my prediction. I was expecting them to come back and have the same kind of um self belief r- restored as we saw when they faced Liverpool and Spurs. Yeah. I was expecting that because we've those seen it two performances now seem like just aberrant light years ago. Oh, I, I, I can't believe it's the same group of players. Yeah. So when when I saw that when I saw the, the 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 no like the lack of reaction against Stoke and the lack of reaction against Bournemouth, I think that's when you you go well, if you can't if you can't do it with yeah. eighteen days when you're isolated and you've got everything together and you 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 you've got the time there is no excuse for it that's the thing there's yeah you haven't got the distraction of the local media uh, affecting the players you haven't got the distraction of um, a game. You haven't got the distraction of anything else. You haven't even got the excuse that the weather's bad, so you can't play well. You, you, it does seem that, bizarre. That, that and at the, the time of recording, McLaren's still there, and there's yeah. been a couple of articles about him possibly having the chance to prove that he can turn it around. But I think that 18 day yeah. break and the whole Lamanga thing proves that he's he he's, can't get a tune out of those players. No, and and you look at the. the the people reporting that he's got time, they are traditionally the people who will support a manager regardless. And it's, yeah. it's so you look at, um, say, George Colkin, Luke Edwards of the Telegraph, George Colkin of the Times. You look at um, Craig Hope of the Mail. You look at all these journalists, and they are all to a man saying he's gone. He has to go. He has yeah. to be gone. Speaking of Craig Hope, that's one thing we didn't talk about, but the press conference oh, yeah. after the Stoke game, which I'm sure some of you read, I've not got the exact quotes, but it seemed to be McLaren came out saying the talk of him being sacked in the Daily Mail came from one reporter who has an axe to grind against Newcastle because he used to work for them. Yeah. And Basically, Craig Hope called him out on it and said, you've been out of your depth since you've been here. Mm. Keep smiling. Kind of. I think he said what every fan wanted to say. Yeah, I think it was... I, I do I agree. I think it was, um, it was another journalist, I can't remember who, said, uh, it's like a fan's been let loose in a press conference. Mm. And I'm delighted with it. It was, it was exactly what needed to be said to McLaren. 
and has been for a long time. Like yeah. this, this, like Steve McLaren, he seems like a. I've said it before. He seems like a a nice enough bloke, but Hope, that's not what Hope you want. Nailed it. He is completely out of his depth. Yeah. And I was saying before that um, uh, the if I was the if I was the best assistant director on the planet, right. Uh, and I was widely respected for all of that lot, and I was enjoying myself. And then I got temporarily promoted, and I was a terrible director. I wouldn't then try and be a director somewhere else. Yeah. I'd just revert to being the best assistant director on the fucking planet and be delighted for it and be loved for it. I'd much rather that. So yeah. everybody, see, like Martin Keown on Match of the Day, um, which is a, a, normally it's a quite a taciturn program where they don't really say anything controversial they they try and keep all the managers on side they try and keep all the players on yeah, it's side. not like robbie savage where they just bark out whatever comes whatever into their comes head that exactly second. martin keown said uh that mclaren is an exceptional coach but a, he's not a manager he's not even saying he's a bad manager he's saying like he is not a manager yeah. and for for martin keown to say that on the BBC, I think he's clearly right football. as well. He absolutely the is. Stats back it up. But the other thing, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, so I'm sorry. But they were. Was it me? It might have been you. Yeah. They were talking about the the what's the journalist in the Daily Mail again? Thing he Craig hoped? Hope. Craig Hope, and saying because after the big argument they had, they mm. shook hands and make up. And they're saying, can you imagine Alex Ferguson? Being no. called out by a journalist <laughs> and then shaking hands with them after it wouldn't happen. No. They'd be banned for life. But then this is, so Luke Edwards of the Telegraph has uh, picked up a ban from um, from the from the club yeah. years ago because he called it out and he and he did it very well and he, and yeah. he um, I mean sometimes what he writes he writes to to get a reaction which is fine but he expertly pulled it out and and now has almost the freedom to go. This is how it is. It's and great. I don't care. I can't yeah. be banned. And Colkin's the same. I think like, we should ban more journalists. Because then we actually get... You don't get puff pieces about how things oh, are turning God. around. Like, when you, re- when you read stuff from, like, Lee Ryder... Oh, God. ...of the Chronicle. And I, it pains me to say it, because he used to be really good. Simon Bird of the Mirror. But... Well, there are media, preferred media partners. Now there are preferred media partners. They don't get any fucking stories he, he out of You can't do though. it. And, I mean... Simon Bird was the guy that Joe Kinnear called a... Which one is Simon Bird? Yeah. C- can, we, can we say that word? <laughs> yeah, I sure. Think we just yeah, did. Yeah. You're a cunt. Like, you can't... Like, he used to be a firebrand, and I like that, and uh, it sucks. And yeah. At the, uh, it was very good in the in-betweeners, though. <laughs> <laughs> at, the, at the end of the, the, the day, we've got to look at... McLaren's clearly not fit for purpose. Yeah. So, um, today there was a lot of speculation about whether or not McLaren was going to be fired. The players had a day off, which was always planned for them to have a day off. So it's not, you've had two bad defeats, you know, pull yourself together or anything like that. It was always like calendared in. Don't, don't fucking freak out about that. Um, But interestingly, McLaren wasn't at the, at the training ground either, which is odd because normally a manager's there pretty much seven days yeah. a week. Like he doesn't, he should be there all the time and he wasn't there at all. And Lee Charnley and Bob, uh, Bob Moncur were at the um, Newcastle Central Station and uh, a chap who was getting a train uh, took a photo of them waiting for a train to come into the this, this station. They were on the platform that normally accepts trains from 
Manchester, from Leeds, from uh, the Midlands, from Liverpool and stuff like that. So, so John Gregory's on his way. Yeah, you know, oh, it could be. <laughs> Maybe they're just train spotters. They could. They well, had a day I off. mean, that thumb-headed looking prick <laughs> might well be a, a train spotter. This is but the thing because I there is a separate argument about who is to actually blame, and Lee Charnley has obviously been massively overpromoted, and it. Mm. For all the noises coming out, it seems like he's still the one trying to keep McLaren there yeah. because it was his ineptitude that got such a strong argument being made for hiring the guy who Derby decided wasn't good enough to get them out of the championship. Yeah. Do you think there's a world in which Ashley will get rid of Charnley? Um, yeah, if, if Newcastle go down... Which we'll when, get on to later. So when Newcastle go yeah. down. If Newcastle do... Submit to their fate. Um, I I can't see a situation where Mike Ashley will tolerate this level of failure. Like if if because the last time we went down, we didn't actually spend that much, and we 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 tried to get by on the players that we already inherited and stuff like that. We spent an absolute fortune, and Charnley and Carr put their reputations on the line by consistently pushing to get McLaren because yeah. we, we tried to get him before um, and we would try to get him when Pardew left and he didn't want to leave Derby and then we tried again and then we tried again with three times like twice he turned us down yeah he waited to see if we went down really exactly which yeah. is a bit of a worry now for if we do get rid of McLaren not a worry because I think he does have to go yeah but. so if and when we do go down I think not only will Ashley uh, not only will McLaren go, but I'm, I'm certain that Charlie will be given the boot. You and, would hope. Uh, and, uh, uh, You're a popular man today, I Dave. Know, Your sorry. phone's gone <laughs> off about three times during this. I'm a very popular man. <laughs> no, the, uh, I think Charlie will go, Carr will go. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, uh, Moncur goes. McLaren will definitely go. The like, great thing with Mike Ashley is he has a history of making brilliant footballing appointments uh, to every geez. position. I you wonder who's doing the interviewing. Well, it's Charnley. Charnley's the man that sits but down. Who appointed? Well, I guess Charnley. Ashley just promoted him. This is it. So one thing that you you have to say with um, with Ashley is he is loyal. Like. It's to his yeah. own. It's to a fault because he should be more. He should be more willing to swing the axe. And this is so. This comes back to a point. Like, if ever there was a time for a, de- a swift decision to make, to be made, it should have been today. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it should have been as soon as the final whistle. Today went. is Monday for anyone listening. Yeah, as sorry. Well. So we've got um, a week until we play Leicester away, which isn't daunting at all. Mike Ashley, as soon as that final whistle went, Mike Ashley should have been on the phone with Lee Charnley saying, right, get shot. Yeah. Like, McLaren's gone, pay him off, don't care. I need you, Lee Charnley, by the end of, like, by the end of today, being Sunday, I need you to come up with a list of potential managers and then by the close of business today I want to have approached and if not appointed I want to have like you know at least got people coming like, like yeah. I don't I don't operate at a very high level in business but even I know that hang on it, a minute I need to spit my water <laughs> even I know that if 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 shit goes off the rail this badly you need to make a swift, decisive move immediate, as soon as possible. This seems to be the problem in our boardroom, though, because we have 
a group of people who all have the interest of each other at heart. There seems mm. to be more and more is being made of is it Keith Bishop? Yeah. The PR guy who was he was apparently there on Saturday and actually wasn't. Yeah. But he does he represent McLaren as well? I he seems so. to have a vested interest in McLaren being there. But there was so a- I think you have a lot of people like nobody on our board seems to have the interest of the club before that of themselves other less important yeah, yeah. yeah themselves or the other board members so it was interesting people were saying like oh they'll, there was a meeting there without McLaren um, well the meeting could only be really realistically Graham Carr Bob Monker Lee Charnley Keith Bishop Mike Ashley that's really those are those, I hope they had some pastries those in, are the decision that's... makers right well three of those Bob Monker Graham Carr, Lee Charnley wanted uh, Steve McLaren to yeah. get the job and put their reputation on the line yeah. to get him that That's job. I mean, they're all intrinsically linked yeah. and have all put themselves on the line to say, this guy's great. What Ashley needs to do is just start swinging his cock around and saying, I'm the boss, you do what I say, I own this club, you're fired, you're fired, you're fired. Because it's all been negligent. Anyone listening who works in HR, don't do that. As a, <laughs> if you're firing people, don't swing your cock around. It, it will lead to litigation. It's just, I, like, this, this guy has made literally billions. He hasn't inherited billions, he's made. He's started to lose. He has lost. He's not yeah. in the, or is it Sports Direct's not in the top 100? Yeah, he's dropped out the footy. And Morrison's has come in instead. <laughs> nice. But he, this guy has literally made billions of pounds from from nothing. Like, you don't get that far without being ruthless and you don't get that far by this is the thing. without being You like, look at Sports competent. Direct and they they're fired if they go for a piss. Yeah. Sorry, I keep swearing today. They're fired if they go it's my to the toilet. It's ridiculous. But, and and he won't do it to like he he wasn't going to do it to Pardew. Pardew didn't leave yeah. because um because Mike Ashley wanted him gone. Pardew left because Crystal Palace offered money to Mike Ashley. This is my worry with the managers available now, is yeah. Pardew could come back to bite him again <laughs> by being fired. And then oh, right. I, whoever meant- would- <laughs> I wouldn't you- write. I wouldn't write him off coming back. I would. There's no way he's going to... I could imagine not- Mike Ashley. If Pardew got fired this week, I could see Mike Ashley giving McLaren two more games and then bringing Pardew in for the last eight. Who's, who's Palace got next? I can't remember. Hang on. Um, cause You've if, got Leicester on the 19th. Oh, I'm trying to think, because depending on who... They could go 13 games without a win. This is the worst thing, that we should be enjoying Pardew's demise, but <laughs> it's just really hard not to at the moment. So next they've got... Oh, it's Man U postponed. No, their next game. Their next game's Leicester. Their next two Premier League fixtures are against Leicester at home and West Ham, which... Their their next uh, Premier League game is, yeah, Leicester on the 14th of March, um, which is a Monday night game. The annoying thing thing is, if we were to win our next two games, (laughs) which is a fucking... Yeah, Yeah. isn't if that's not going to happen... We would be three points behind Palace. If they lost their two games and we won ours, we'd be three points behind with a game in hand. I know, but... But, yeah. We're it's not... not I, it's not going to happen. No. But the, the, we should be enjoying the smugness that comes of having told everybody how terrible Pardew is and how we'll yeah. get found out. And it's happened almost to the script. And we can't revel in it. But then you, this is the worst season... 
um, to be in this in our situation. Yeah. Because if you, if you were to supplant us with Everton, for example, that's a, a big club who's having a shit season. Like if they were in our position, you, you'd say, "Oh, that's a big club. They shouldn't be down there." I wonder what's going yeah. on. You know, blah blah blah. That's a well liked. You know, it's an affable manager and blah blah. If we were up there, we're ha- still having a bad season, but we could enjoy Leicester City gunning for the title, going up against a bizarrely likable Spurs side. Yeah. And then you've got like Manu having a bad season. You've got Chelsea having a bad season by their, or at least it's an the entertaining best season thing. in living it's, memory. It's and we're so not getting to enjoy no, it. No, because like even Villa fans, bizarrely, will probably be enjoying this season more because they will have accepted. <laughs> well, no, because they've accepted their fate ages ago. Whereas our fate seems only to be emerging. But they were European now. champions, Dave. Well, they're, they're a, a massive, massive club. club. Yeah. God, if if that's the thing, I really want to enjoy seeing them go down. It's got everything Newcastle fans want. Honestly, like Sunderland could be going down this season, and Villa, and it's just that we're fucking it up. Uh, Quickly, want to say just about before the Bournemouth game, Mm -hmm. the Newcastle players released a statement <laughs> but for the listeners I'm making massive quotation marks with my hands because mm-hmm. it's come out afterwards that none of them seem to know where that's come from yeah. but they released a joint statement as players backing McLaren yeah I think the clue in it was that they were having a go at the media outlets that were saying McLaren's going to get the sack <laughs> you think that's no players are going to get together and think we need to make it clear that the uh, the Daily Mail is actually out of order. Out of yeah. order here. So. But, but what's, what's, what says to me that he must be going? Because if the, fa- if the players did have his back and did support him, mm. they wouldn't deny the, the statement. They'd just let it go. Yeah. Because, or we didn't say it, but it's just saying what we were going to say. He's definitely, he's got, he's got to be going. Yeah. To be honest, it's Monday night. It's, uh, it's quarter to seven on a Monday night. Steve McLaren might be gone. It's possible that they've... I worry he's going to stay. I think the worst possible thing is that we'll get a statement tomorrow morning saying that Steve McLaren had a, a big chat with all the chaps and they, they've agreed to give him another like another chance to, to, to turn it round. And obviously the next game's a hard game, so it'll be on blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And by the time... By the time it, it'll be too late. I've got a statement here on behalf of the Newcastle Natter people. <laughs> Is it an open letter? In the absence of Fergus Craig, we are fully behind Paul Doolan as host. <laughs> we think he can really get the best out of the Natter, and we continue to support him, even if it looks like we're not doing that on the pod. Yeah, all we all we need is the fans to get behind him. Yeah. That's all. Honestly, it's oh, like it's, so. so it's cons- embarrassing. It is as a club. It's embarrassing to have a statement coming out from the players that isn't from them because somebody and it seems like a lot of the staff at Newcastle didn't know where that came from either whether that is Keith Bishop it could, PR to be honest it could just be like a, a wag having a bit of fun yeah no other clubs do this stuff, no though. it's ridiculous it's for a club our size for a club with our fan base for the club with our potential there is no way that we should be the fucking laughing stock yeah. of the English Premier League when there are clubs like Sunderland like Aston Villa like Crystal Palace under Pardew I don't have a problem <laughs> Crystal, with Crystal Palace, Palace are a really nice club yeah they are but, but under yeah. pa- like any club managed by Pardew is a joke of a club because of that 
But when you're the king, Dave. When you're the king. Um, it's just, it's, it's ludicrous. And it's, it's, uh, you look at Mike Ashley's been in charge of our, has owned our club for nine years. We've had, we're probably going to get two relegations in yeah. the, in a decade for a club like us is, is an, it's an abominable, especially abominable situation. when, even when it's all going this badly, you look at Bournemouth, 52,000 people still turn out for it. Yeah. We do deserve better as fans. Absolutely. I'm not saying we have an intrinsic right to be in the top half of the table. No, 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 no. But just for some level of effort on the pitch. Even if it's just a level of competency, for God's sake. And this is all for like, Shelby's been having not amazing games recently, but he seems to be concerned on the pitch by the players around him. Which is which, loose, which is something because I said before that we've got internationals all over the pitch. We do. Like you look at you look at the side, and we've got uh, Belgian internationals, and we've got uh, Argent, well, ex Argentinian internationals. Yeah. We've got Dutch internationals. We've got French internationals. We've got we've we've got we've got the players, but they they consistently turning to the bench and asking for a direction which is insane because that says yeah. to me like if you don't know what's what to do at this situation it's because you've not been directed because you're a footballer you're not a tactician but i think as well our recruitment policy has been this sounds really counterintuitive but we've just been going after the best players we can get rather than the going best what, deals yeah rather than what the team needs yeah like we could easily have got a couple of unglamorous sort of two million pound, yeah. just workaday central mid like workhorses to put in the centre and in defence, well, and we- just to have the level of depth we need. But because this is the thing on paper, they don't have sell on value. It's not like you're going to make a huge profit. But to the club, if you have those kind of players and you have a balanced team, suddenly the players like Cabela and Tovan that you bring in perform to their potential yeah. because they're the emphasis of the attack and they're being covered by these players, their value goes up. So by having these players that don't add value, you do add value. Yeah. It's, but it's there like, seems to be no taking that into account at the club whatsoever. What's the least interesting bit about a Victoria sponge? It's the sponge. But you can't <laughs> yeah. have a Victoria sponge <laughs> with all the niceness that goes with it, all the jam and all the... the yeah. You can't have that without the fucking sponge. It's we true. needed some sponges. Like, <laughs> I'm not being funny, but... That's the best cake analogy I've ever heard. <laughs> but seriously, like, all the pie. We're the Victoria sponge of the Premier. Actually, no, we're just... We're jam and no. cream on a plate. We're, we're a fucking no eaten mess. That. That's what we are. Just a smashed... Meringue. Oh, God. Smashed meringue. <laughs> well, that's that's the that's the title that's the of the title podcast. Of the podcast. Smashed meringue. Smashed meringue. It's just depressing. It really is. Like I've consistently been one of the most positive. I think probably the most positive or optimistic. Bordering voices. on delusional to Border- the point yeah, where absolutely, I'll accept. I that. think if you'd come in to this pod today and said it's still fine, then <laughs> you would be sectioned by eleven o'clock tonight. So I think in the in the past. Um, since since the the Chelsea thumping, the eighteen days off, the Stoke, then the Bournemouth result. I think in that time, I've gone from it'll be fine to I'm like seventy percent sure. I was going to say, let's down. talk percentages. I'm, I'm like I'm seventy percent sure we're going down. I'm seventy five. Yeah, I think I think it depends because if if we bring in the right manager. And if that right manager gets the right results out of us, we can still we can well, still do thing. it. In the in but the interests of optimism, we play Norwich and Sunderland, who mm-hmm. are our relegation rivals. 
Yeah. We have a game in hand, albeit against Man City. Yeah. But that's still a game in hand, and we are currently one point behind Sunderland. Yeah. So there are reasons to be optimistic, and you do think if we can bring in the right manager mm. and get that bounce, we have got the players, we should be able to get out of this. And you look at... But the- who... Who is the right manager for you? Or go through the candidates first and what you think. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, (laughs) I've heard Benitez. There's just no way. It's absolutely no chance of Benitez. Like, even if we threw money at the situation, it's a, it's a lose lose for him. Yeah. Like, even if he keeps us up, he doesn't want to be tied to this club. Benitez. No, he doesn't. I mean, he's managed Real Madrid. He doesn't want to be stuck with us. Um, there's talk. Very wishful thinking. Yeah. There's there's talk of Nigel Pearson. And while he did an incredible job keeping Leicester up, that was a cl- that was a team of like workaday, honest but not very competent yeah. grafters. And there were points last season where you thought Nigel Pearson is going to have a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like he he was on the edge. You're an ostrich, mate. He had <laughs> he had some very weird statements where you thought this guy is going to. Shoot a shopping centre, <laughs> <laughs> and the other the other voice that's um, the other name that's being bandied about is David Moyes and, and Brendan Rodgers as well. Again, I'd say the same about Rodgers as I did about Benitez. I don't like. Yes, he could probably pull us out of it, and if you threw enough money at him on a short term deal, he'd probably well, he might take it. I guess the worry with Rodgers is he doesn't seem capable of setting up a team to defend, which I think is where mm. Moyes. For me personally, I'd have Moyes, but I know a lot yeah. of Newcastle fans who like the idea of Rodgers a lot more. I think they like the idea of Rodgers because they saw what he did with, like, they saw where he took, frankly, quite an average Liverpool side. It wasn't great. The the, the difference between um, Liverpool and a lot of the teams around them was Suarez. Yeah, I mean that's without him, and we do not have a Suarez. Suarez is one of the I best don't players know. on the Gabriel planet. Gabriel Overton's pretty good. <laughs> it's just there's, I I can't see us picking up Brendan Rodgers or Benitez. There's, I just can't see it. David Moyes is both. Um, he wants to get back into English football. Mm. He would see this club as about his level. Well, I think Luke Edwards in the Telegraph was saying Moyes is apparently keen. Yeah, but the the problem is the structure of our club because he would want to be manager. He wouldn't want to be coach. He'd want to say on the transfer. I think if Moyes doesn't get say on the transfers, he wouldn't come. But then you look at um, the, the, the latest transfers, they have McLaren's fingerprints all over them. Like, they, like, yeah, Shelby and Townsend were the ones McLaren and, wanted. And Shelby's done okay, and Townsend, it is like two games. But you get the feeling Saive wasn't McLaren's choice. Exactly. He seems like he was done just to probably butter it was up a good agents. Deal. It was probably, yeah, probably. But then if, if Ashley sees that um, all the players that Graham Carr has suggested that um, Charlie signed off on, well, I'm spending this. Like, I'm spending twelve million quid a season on a shitty French winger by going that route. Where I've now spent twelve million quid on Andros Townsend, and like it's it's more in in keeping with the club, and it's more like I don't know. It depends know, who's making the decision on the manager. Because if it's Lee Charnley, I don't think he's going to say, "Yeah, I will happily relinquish the control of me and Graham Carr to this." Powerful, this sort of more powerful traditional manager. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 six to five. And pick My them. worry is Redknapp 
No, it's not going to be Redknapp. I wouldn't be surprised. Redknapp is... Or Dave Bassett. (laughs) Or Mike Bassett. Yeah. It's not going to be Harry Redknapp, because Harry Redknapp wants to live on the South Coast... Can we get a recording of that little clip just in case that comes back? It's not going to be Harry Redknapp. I will stake my... All of my reputation on it. It's not gonna, no, it's not going to be Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp's now earning a lot of money by doing punditry and by doing um, easy jobs on the South Coast. Have you noticed? I think if you're does. Redknapp and you see the way Pardew's imploding and thinking there might be one final tiny chance to impress and get the England job in the summer. No, because <laughs> I don't it, know. If if you're looking at how Pardew, look at the appointments Newcastle make. Look None at, of them make sense. None <laughs> of them are the ones you'd want. Look at uh, look at Pardew's implosion, and Harry Redknapp's not going to go. I'll take over. I'll take over Newcastle. No, he's not. He's going to get into the ear of um, Steve Parish, the the Crystal Palace owner, and go. I can save you. Wow. <laughs> Unsettling, <laughs> but he is. He's he'll take. He's more likely to take over a Crystal Palace manager than he is to take over at Newcastle because Crystal Palace is an easy commute from Sandbanks. Yeah, fair enough, maybe. But he's an old man with a it dodgy wouldn't, name. So it wouldn't surprise me. Okay, assuming we're saying seventeen seventy-five percent. So yeah. assuming we are in the championship next season. Yeah. Who from our current team do you think would stay, and who would? Who do you think would be equipped to bring us back up? Because I can only think of Elliot, LaSalle, Shelby, and if we could somehow hold on to Perez. That feels like a sort of spine to build a team around. Oh, Mit- Mitrovic would stay. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. Mit- Mitrovic would stay, but you'd see the back of Sissoko, Wijnaldum. Yeah. Uh, I think Jan Matt would stay in the same way as... Uh, I think he'd be gone. Well, I-, I think he'd stay in the same way that um, Gutierrez stayed. In that, like, I can't. I you look at how he. I don't t- think Jan Matt likes the club. He, but no, I, I have to. I have to defend I, him. Like he was getting abuse um, from the the fans away at Stoke, and he went over to confront them. Now, if you're if you don't care, you just chuck off the shirt and you jog down the tunnel like Sissoko does every game. Jan Matt does care, if only for professional pride, and I think. I look at that in the same way as I look at like Colicini and Gutierrez when we went down. He, they looked at that and was like, "I, I owe to." I, think I, I, I don't. Know, I think it was more. Not many clubs wanted to buy them or take their wages. That, that, that could be that as Which well. I think yeah, Jan Matt would have suitors. I think if you're Jan Matt's agent and Premier League clubs are coming in for you, or sort of top European clubs are coming in, which I think they would. Yeah, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I think. If we were to go down, I think we would lose... When? When? <laughs> if we were to go down, I think we'd lose Sissoko, Vinaldum. I think we'd lose... Um, I think Townsend would want out. Mbemba would go. Yeah, probably Mbemba. He'd Mbemba. be this season's Basong. Yeah. Um, Krull would stay. I could see Townsend weirdly staying. Nah, I can't see it. He, he, like, if we go down, he wants to be. he wants to be playing top flight. I, mean, I, don't whole, think, I don't think he's got the reputation to sort of get that necessarily. But if, if Burnley or Middlesbrough go up... Maybe. Like, he'd quite happily... Because like, he's swapping one... Like, yes, we're a big club and we've got the stadium, we've got the fans, blah, blah, blah. He would much rather be playing in front of 28,000 at the Riverside instead of 52,000 at St. James's Park in the Championship. There's, there's just not... Like, he doesn't, he doesn't care about... Oh, yeah, no, I don't think United. he'd stay out of loyalty. No. I think it would be 
the fee that would be needed to get him out of a new contract. That that's a trouble because none of our players have got relegation release clauses, no. and none of them have got wage. And at the drops. the fans forum meeting only a few weeks ago, I can't remember if we talked about this, but when Charnley was asked about preparations being made for relegation. He said, that's not something we're considering. We don't see that as a possibility. Yeah, I think that's just bluster. And well, it's bullshit. Isn't yeah, it? it's absolute bullshit. I just, no, I think I'd, we'd also, we'd lose somebody like Rolando Ahrens isn't going to hang around. Uh, yeah. We'd probably lose um, some of the other youngsters that were... But I think Adam Campbell would be getting... Get, is it Adam Campbell or Armstrong? Sorry, Adam Armstrong. Armstrong. Yeah, Armstrong would, Armstrong would be getting a game. Yeah. Um, Which... Oh, this is so depressing, man. Uh, I don't know the idea of Adam Armstrong up front. A season where we maybe win a few games. I know, but it's, remember the it's, last it's time be against we went like down. fucking Preston. Yeah, but there's a lot being made at the moment of like, oh, there's never a worse time to get relegated. It's not the Premier League isn't going to suddenly be cut off and put into space. You'll still be able to get back up. I know. I don't think we're as well equipped as last time to get up, but I think we could e- not easily get back up. But I don't think we'd do a Leeds. No, I I'm not. I'm not so bothered about us doing a Leeds. I'm bothered about us doing a Bolton. I don't know. I, just getting relegated. And I then remember just, last time we went down. It was such a good season in the Championship. <laughs> I know, but that's because we were winning every bloody game. Yeah, and the reason Let's we do were, that again. We, the reason we were winning. Maybe every that's bl- the plan. <laughs> the reason we were winning every bloody game is because half the Championship is absolute dog shit, and we had a Premier League side in the Championship. This time, we'd have half a Premier League side and there aren't as many bad sides in the Championship as there, there were I think it would be harder but I still think there's a lot of money going like, we'd be the bookies favourites to get out of the Championship probably but then if we went down and if 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 if, if uh, Villa go down and have an overhaul and when Norwich or Sunderland and us whoever whoever the three are that go down those are going to be incredibly wealthy clubs so they've already got three there that you are two there that you're fighting against, and then you've got the likes whomever doesn't get up this season, you've got them, and you've got sides who traditionally do all right in the championship. There's there's just not as many bad sides in the championship as there were. Wow. I, I think it's really hard to get out of the championship now, especially for a side who is because when we went down, we did have characters, we did have players like. Ryan Taylor and uh, Kevin Nolan and Joey Barton and... But they were still the same players who seemed to lack character and not care and took us down. It I- took a change in the way the club was running away. It was Hooten giving the players the power and them deciding. But we don't It have- wasn't like many players came in suddenly who had that character. They had been there. Yeah. I mean, they, they lacked the character in the Premiership and mm. then taken us up. We got rid of the worst offenders, yeah, which I, I could see the same thing happening again. Like I say, I think if you have maybe Taylor, LaSalle, Colacini's done it in there as well. You have Shelby, you have Armstrong, you have Perez. I think we would have quite good attitude. Though, yeah. We'd have classy Premier League players in the Championship that would be good enough. It would be about mm. building around them. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I'm just being the optimistic team. one here saying <laughs> we might get out of the Championship. <laughs> I think that's probably a good note to end on, isn't it? Is there anything else we've missed? Um, not really. I, I think that everything that we've we've covered is people is stuff that people want to think about. We... We want a, we want a new manager. We want a new owner. I mean, you asked before who who does the default lie with, and and end of the day, it's it's Ashley. Ashley's made yeah. the wrong decisions at every step, and frankly, if 
he said at the beginning, like at the end of last season, just before the West Ham game, that uh, he wasn't going anywhere until we won something, and um, he's going to invest a lot of money and all the rest of it. He has invested yeah. no money. I have a mild bit of sympathy for Ashley. Only hear me. Wow. Only Get because the fuck off this podcast. I think he finally, at the start of this season, made a fairly good decision. Not in the actual way he did it, but he said, "I'm going to put a man." in charge of this club and I'm going to give him the money to do it. I'm not going to interfere because that's not worked before. On paper, that should be quite a good idea. The problem is he knows so little about football. Mm. You just put Lee Charnley in charge. I know. And I don't think you can... There's a lot of people saying, oh, but Ashley's put his hand in his pocket. Like you say, he hasn't. Not at all. It's all loans. Well, it's... it's So any, any penny that he spent is pennies that he's got... Through the club, yeah, like the, it's the TV deals. It's it's not he, ha- he's he not hasn't spent a penny. His no, he hasn't spent in. a penny of his own money. So that's bollocks. He hasn't taken any money out, but then, but he will. He will. Yeah. He absolutely will. The, the, he's the not some kind is, of like benevolent benefit. No, Newcastle United have enough um, enough links to good football men in inverted commas that. We could structure a legacy. You have Kevin Keegan as the as some kind of uh, Bobby Charlton figure yes, in, in, in in the club. You 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 invite players like ex players to be part of the of the regime. You ask Kevin Keegan who who's a young and upcoming coach that we can get in and, and be a manager. Who's yeah. like there is see missing out on people like Steve Harper who should be a shoe yeah. for a coaching role, a, a goalkeeping role because it's Kev- just it doesn't interest the club. Kevin Nolan as some kind of backroom coach who, who's now some man- kind of first team starter yeah. <laughs> I mean he's he's now managing Leighton Orient right? are you telling me that he couldn't have done a better job than um, than well, I mean we've only got bloody what is it like McLaren Cathro uh, the boy the boy <laughs> it's just it's just so frustrating that it seems on paper a really easy club to get right you've got the fan base you've got yeah. fans who are you know who aren't for all we get bad mouth we're not that demanding we just want a team no. a team that tries and the team that you know we'd, we'd yeah. like not to be in the bottom five every season I mean we were happy as Larry under under Hewton and we yeah. weren't playing great football and we no. weren't we weren't going to assault the Europa League spot. But we had a go. We had a go, and it was fun to watch. It was fun to get behind the team. It's an easy club to get right, and Ashley consistently gets it wrong. He has smashed that meringue. He has smashed that fucking meringue. And on that bombshell, I think that's yeah. probably time to call it a day because I desperately need to go to the toilet. Oh, but I've got an important thing to ask you. Well, <laughs> let's hold that thought. Predictions. Okay, so Leicester away. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. We are going to get pasted, I think. Mm. The only... There could be a possible new manager bounce. Leicester seem to struggle against teams set up defensively. Yeah. Luckily, they're coming up against us, who even when we set up defensively Uh. are guaranteed to concede at least one goal. Yeah. I think... 5-0. Well, I would have agreed with that but Leicester aren't Leicester they don't spank teams no but so I keep I'm thinking say I keep thinking we can't get any worse and then something we do. comes along yeah. 2-0 to Leicester and uh, should we give Fergus his 1-1 because he always yeah go on then Fergus anyway. can have a 1-1 but uh, I want to ask you just dead quick new manager are we going to get one before the end of the season I 
Oh. Firstly, we should. Mm-hmm. I think it should be Moyes. I think there's plenty of candidates that I take. But I think if we do get a new manager, it will be too late. I will probably do it. We won't do it in the next couple of days, I don't think. Like eight games to go. Yeah, and it'll be somebody left field. It'll Joe be someone Kinney. Mike Ashley's met in a pub. <laughs> All right. And you're 75 and I'm 70. Yeah. And Fergus, because we've last, lost the last two games, will be 90. Yeah. Because, so. you know, drama. Well, we are 19th in the league and can't look like we're going to score. Yeah. So it's okay. fair enough. Okay, well, th- sorry you had to listen to that. <laughs> but thank you for listening. And do follow us on Twitter at Newcastle Natter. Yeah. And join the Facebook page. And if you've got any films that you'd like us to review next week, yeah, we, that would we'd be nice. happily do that instead. Yeah. Uh, oh, bye, God. guys. We will be a day later <laughs> next time, so we're going to re- do the next pod after the Leicester game. Yeah. Not directly after, because we'll be on antidepressants at that point. <laughs> but uh, thank you very much, Dave Watson. Thanks, Paul. And goodbye. This is a Playback Media production, served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.